this evening, I am incredibly grateful and excited to introduce Philippus Connor Kutsir to you in a moment. Phil, Phil um, I mean this sincerely, Phil is one of the young, I, mean, I don't even know how old you are, Phil, is he 26, 25, 25, 25 going on 35. I feel like I've known Phil forever, okay? If you've spent time with Phil, it'll feel like dog years, like, like you've just known him forever. I mean that actually in a, in a mostly good way. Phil and I went to Zambia together on a missions trip many years ago, and uh, I hope I'm allowed to say this. I kind of fell in love with Phil, okay? Phil is an amazing guy, uh, which is surprising to me because I actually really didn't like Phil when I first met him, and, and he knows the story all too well, but, but I met Phil when he was a teenager, and he was still kind of growing through some stuff, and um, yeah, I've seen God do an unbelievable work. Seriously, seriously, I think it is a testimony to the grace of God and to the determination of a young man who has been willing to allow God to do work in him. And so just the more I've gotten to know Phil, um, the more I've come to appreciate and enjoy him. He's got a great sense of humor. Uh, he's got a, he's a deep thinker actually. Phil, you see, Phil can surprise you because he can be really humorous and yet there's an incredible depth. But at the same time, Phil has had to endure many challenges in his personal life. And um, it has impressed me to no end how he has chosen to work through those challenges, how he's tried to honor God through each of those seasons. Phil uh, has been ordained as one of the pastors at our Sunningdale congregation just recently, actually, a few months ago. So he's been serving there for, for quite a number of years now, um, doing pretty much everything and anything that needs to be done. And he's now one of the associate pastors. Is that the formal total? Senior pastor, maybe? I don't know. You know, it depends, it depends on what he lets Swain call himself and, and what he is. Um, but Phil is also married to Jean-Marie. They have a million dogs, and so that's probably where she is tonight, looking after all the minions. Um, but guys, seriously, I, I was, I was, it was like an easy instant yes when Tyrone asked if we could see if Phil is available to come and share with us this evening, just because I feel like he has so much sincere, authentic value to offer. So please, can I get you to stand to your feet and welcome Phil Kutsir on up to the stage. One, two, there you go. For someone who, Jason was about to touch my bum, so I'm glad I, I, I wasn't going to stop him. I'm glad I got it. Good evening, everybody. Um, geez, what a massive um, honor and privilege it is for me to be able to share here tonight. Um, when I heard that, that uh, I had the opportunity to come and speak, jeez, um, I jumped at it. Uh, just because, really, it's a testament to how amazing your church is, but, but I think above and kind of over that, just how amazing your, your leaders and your pastors are, Jason and Sue. Uh, Jason alluded to, obviously, the great encouragement that I receive now, <laughs> an awesome, uh, awesome introduction, but Jason and Sue have been a part of my life for a very long time, uh, pillars in my life. Sue um, started a leadership hand in my life from a young age. Um, I was about 15, doing holiday clubs, and Sue taught me what was appropriate and what was inappropriate behavior. Um, I'll let her tell you the story about that. Um, and, and like Jason mentioned, we, we got to know each other a bit better uh, in the missions field. And uh, just amazing people who've invested in me and uh, been a part of some key moments in my life. So really massive honor. Can we just give your lead pastors just a <laughs> awesome, awesome leaders. Jeez. Um, and like Jason mentioned, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Phil. Um, I'm married, married for two years now by the grace of the almighty God in heaven. 
Um, I, have, I have three dogs, and um, they're awesome. They destroy anything that's expensive. That's their thing. So if, 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 if it costs a lot of money, they're going to they're gonna destroy it. So we try to keep things cheap in our house. Uh, we, we thought having a garden was a good idea, buying grass and, and just laying that down. Terrible idea because they destroyed it. So we try to keep things cheap now. Uh, but we have a lot of fun. And, and like Jason mentioned, I am a pastor at our Sunnydale Church, um, which is awesome to be on that side of the world and to, and to lead with uh, Swin, who some of you may know. I think he's preached here kind of recently. And Swin's an amazing leader, him and his wife. And they lead our church so well. So tonight, I'm, I'm just pumped to be here. I'm pumped to be able to share a message that... Um, it's a passage of scripture, really, that I want to share with you guys that we did in life group uh, about a month ago or a month and a bit ago. It's a passage in Colossians, and it's something that's really stuck with me and has hung around with me for a while. And I often find that when God does that, I don't know if it, that's ever happened to you when you read a passage of scripture, and it kind of just doesn't leave you. It just, it kind of stays there, and it hangs with you, and it challenges you, and, and, it, and it really just gets you to think and to really just start looking at your life differently. And this is what this passage has done, uh, a passage in Colossians. And uh, we're going to read it soon in just some context um, to the passage. Uh, what's happening in this passage in Colossians is Paul is uh, speaking uh, to the people of the Colossian church, speaking about Jesus. And what he was trying to do was he was trying to correct some theology, some of the teachers of that time and false teachers. And I'm going to give you the verse now. You're probably like, what's the verse? I'm going to give it to you now. Um, some of the teachers and some of the false teachers of that time were saying things about Jesus, teaching things about Jesus that just weren't true. And Paul thought it would be incredibly important to correct some of the theology, correct some of the teachings that the believers were being taught because he understood that what you believe about Jesus will navigate the decisions and the choices that you make when the storms of life come. If you believe some things about Jesus, some things like that he is the creator of all, that he is the head of the church, that he will uh, bridge all gaps to get you to know him and to love him and to change your life. If you believe those things, sometimes moving through the storms of life, the difficulties of life can be a bit easier than what we're facing right now. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that life is a bit rocky at the moment. Uh, yeah, just you, turning on the news or, or, or looking at the COVID numbers or looking at the economic uh, status of South Africa at the moment, there's a, there's a number of things that can get the heart to beat a little bit faster, to get the anxiety a little bit higher, to, to lead to depression, some of the things that we're reading about. There's so much that we can look around in our circumstances and what's in front of us that can get us to start thinking differently, but we need to be reminded constantly of who Jesus is, what he's done, and what he's still going to do, because it'll encourage you and it'll help you lead your life in the direction that you want to go. Um, it made me think about, I don't know if you guys um, have watched those Discovery channels or those National Geographic channels that speak about basic training. So it's the training that if you want to join the Army or the Marines or the Navy SEALs, it's two or three months that you have to go through as a young soldier that pretty much just, just kind of separates the, the men from the mice. Uh, and and if, you can, if, if you can get through these two or three months, basic training is what it's called, then they deem you worthy to take the next step in the training and to get closer to be a Marine or a SEAL or a part of the Army. And just some kind of how that all works, it's, it's, it's a total radical few months where they go through the hardest physical challenges, the hardest psychological challenges, in order to see who's got what it takes when push comes to shove to do what you need to do. There's a, there's a, a sergeant who speaks about it. His name is um, John Davies, an ex-Marine sergeant who speaks about what these guys have to go through. And he says it's totally radical because you have to teach an 18-year-old boy to run towards the gunfire. 
You've got to teach an 18-year-old boy to go towards the place where his life is the most threatened, where, where very possibly he could die. You've got to teach him that that is the point of call. That's where you need to run, and that's where you need to perform at the highest level. You can understand why 80 to 90% of people don't make it through the training. And the training is so important because what you go through in the training, the, the, what's imprinted in you, what's tattooed on your heart, is what's going to come through when you're in the middle of the battlefield and things start getting rough. What, what you went through at the, at the lowest point, at the hardest point, and you didn't quit, that's, gonna, that's what's going to be tattooed on your heart, that's what's going to be on your mind when you go through the toughest things. I believe it's very similar about what we believe about God. What we're taught about God and what we teach ourselves about God and what we remind ourselves about Jesus, I believe when life gets at its roughest, when you're in the middle of the battlefield, when you're in the middle of the storm, what you really have tattooed on your heart, what's stuck on your mind, that is what's going to come through when those moments of life come. And, and if you guys are anything like me, I feel like life just ebbs and flows. There's times when it's really good and there's times when it's really bad, but I don't want to just live close to God in the good times. I want even when my circumstances and money isn't great and things are tough and family life is difficult, even in those moments, I want to be close to God. I want to hear His voice. I want, to, I want to trust Him for His promises. I want to be so full of faith that people can look at me and say, Phil, your circumstance sucks, man. There's nothing going for you at the moment. Everything is going badly. Why are you smiling? Because my hope is not in me, friend. My hope is in Jesus Christ. And what his word says about him is so encouraging. So we're going to read this passage, seven verses. And then we are going to run through three things that I think is going to help some people tonight. Um, the scripture will probably jump up on the screen, so you're welcome to read it there. Um, 1 Colossians, uh, Colossians 1, verse 15 to 22. Starts like this. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Other translations say he sustains all creation. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you. This is a good part. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I can't help but when I read that scripture just to kind of say amen to myself, because what we've just kind of gone through in seven verses is really the story of our hope the story of our faith, we're taken through um, what Jesus is, what he does, and what he's going to do, and how important it is to us. And there's a lot that's happening there, so if you didn't catch some of that, that that's all good. We're going we're gonna to look at three parts of that scripture, and we're going to try to draw just three things that I'd love for you to take home tonight, and I'd love for you to take it into your Monday your Tuesday, and, and if you're lucky, maybe even into your Wednesday, and just saying that you can keep applying, keep thinking about, keep reminding yourself, because it's true, sometimes we get so inspired on a Sunday, but we forget to take it into Monday. 
And if God's with us, maybe it's there on Tuesday, but, but, but by then already everything has come into our mind. We've been challenged. We're already anxious about something else and we've forgotten what the word of God is. But the word of God is so cool, whereas it goes out and achieves everything it was called to do and it never returns void. If you are being preached the word of God, but your life isn't changing, you have got an application issue. <laughs> Biblical wisdom just quickly before we get into it. Biblical wisdom is not something that sounds smart or cool from the Bible. Wisdom is actually application of the Word of God. I love coming to church and being inspired, and you've got amazing preachers and teachers here. Jason, one of the best teachers of the Word of God that I've ever heard, sincerely. So I'm sure that you will come under Jason's teaching, and you'll be like, oh, Jason, that's so challenging. And you just, and I just, we're not ready for that one. And we're challenged, and it's hurt. It's like, oh, oh that's sore. And then you get, into, you get into Monday, and you're like, that was challenging, man. What was it about again? Oh, um, yeah. No, but it was, it was sore, though. It, it was sore. No, no, but I mean it in the best way. I mean it in the best way because we sometimes think that it's just good to be challenged, but we need to learn that the Word of God is best. The Word of God is life-changing. It's transforming when we can take it into our week, into our families, and into our schools. So we've got three points that we're going to look at tonight. The first one is this. If you are a note-taker, if you aren't a note-taker, I'm sure there's a Christian close by. And you can just look over at their notes. That's an old one. I'm sorry. I had to throw that one in. I'm sure Jason drops that one often. Uh, the first point is this. Jesus is the original. Jesus is the original. What we see in the first three verses of this passage is that we're reminded that Jesus is actually the creator. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. Jesus was around in the beginning. Jesus was the agent of the Trinity. We know the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus was, in fact, the one who created everything. All creation exists because of Jesus. Now, this was, you might be like, okay, Phil, Sunday School 101, like we know that. This was such a good reminder for me because when I think about Jesus, I think about Jesus the man. Often when someone talks to me about Jesus, I'm thinking long hair. I'm thinking tie-dye t-shirts. I'm thinking, I'm thinking a guy, if they had tie-dye back, back in the D, that's what he'd be wearing. I, I, th I think about the amazing work that he did as a man. And, and let's be honest, that was an important work. <laughs> Probably the most important work for us. But Jesus wasn't just Jesus the man. Jesus was around in the beginning. Jesus was around in the beginning of everything. Darkness, Jesus was. Darkness, Jesus created. Darkness, Jesus was breathing life into earth. And you might be saying, well, Phil, you know, why is that important for me? Well, I think why it's important for us to remember that today is that there is nothing on planet earth, no pandemic, no economic downturn, no obstacle, no, no disaster, nothing takes Jesus by surprise. Can we think about that for a second? Jesus created everything. Why would he be surprised by something that happens that he actually created? I'm not saying that Jesus is the author of things that happen that are bad or go against plan or something that we think, you know, that's horrible. But what it does say is that Jesus will turn everything to the good of those who are called according to his purposes. I really believe that promise when it comes from the guy who actually created everything. If, if, the, if the creator says, hey, regardless of what happens, trials will come, problems will come. As a believer, if you think that your life is going to be easy, unfortunately it isn't. But we aren't marked by what's easy. We grow in the suffering. We grow in the trial. You'll, you will be blessing and favor in your life. Don't, don't think that it's just downhill from here. Being a Christian is amazing. My life has been awesome, but there's also been some really low lows. But I felt like God drew close to me in the bad times. God drew close to me in the suffering. In all of that, the creator, Jesus is the creator. He is the original. He is the OG. He was there in the beginning. We read about it in John 1 verse 1. It says, in the beginning, the word already existed. 
the word is talking about Jesus. And the word was with God, and the word was God. I'm so inspired by that. I'm encouraged by the fact that even though things can make me anxious, even though things can make me worry, and I'm a worry, any warriors in the house, and I'm not talking about warrior, I'm talking about I worry, and I'm sad. Like any, I, I, t- I worry first, and then I, I respond later. But for me, I just, need to, I just need to pull myself back sometimes, say, oh, the numbers are high, COVID is high, or this is high, or this is not going the way I wanted it to go, but I've still got a God who is in control. I've got a God who is at the wheel. I've got a God who is not taken by surprise about anything. Verse, uh, I think it's 16 in this passage, um, I think it's just powerful. It talks about Jesus created everything. It was created in him, and it was created for him. I think this specific verse answers two of life's biggest questions. If you've been a Christian for long enough, uh, I'm sure some people would have asked you these questions, but the two questions are quite simply, does my life matter? Number one. And number two, why am I here? And I'm not, I'm not trying to get the philosophers out here because I'm sure there's a whole response, but these two questions, does my life matter? Why am I here? The first one, does my life matter? Well, the verse says that we were created in him and we were created for him. So if we're going to look at that first part there, your life's worth, okay, why you do what you do, the person that you are, is not determined by your achievements. It's not determined by your accolades. It's not determined by your success or lack thereof. It's not determined what somebody else in your age group is doing right now. What makes your life worthy or of worth is that Jesus created you. Jesus designed you. Psalm 139 speaks about he fashioned you in your mother's womb. Can we think about that word for a little bit? He designed you. The things that you think look weird. I have a weird nose that I had an operation. I'm like, Jesus, why would you do that? But anyway, you did that. My ears are funny. Jesus designed every little part of you. The scripture says every single person that has ever walked the earth, Jesus fashioned that person in their mother's womb. Your worth is not by what you do or what you can achieve. It's funny. Sometimes we preach a gospel and we talk about salvation. And we say that, hey, when you get saved, it's nothing that you can do. It's a gift of grace. We accept that when it comes to salvation, but we don't often accept that when it comes to growing closer to God. We say, cool, by grace I'm saved, but now I gotta work. Now I gotta be a good person. Now I gotta come to church early. I gotta pack chairs so that my Christian CV can grow. That's got nothing to do with your worth. Jesus says the value of your life, it's not by anything you can achieve. The value, the the actual worth of your life is the fact that I put you together. Does my life matter? Of course it matters. Because the creator put you together. And I think there's some people that are sitting here tonight that are maybe in a space where, where they wish they were further along. And I often think like this. I look at the people around me and I'm like, what's that dude doing at 25? Or what's that church doing? How are they growing? Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Comparison is a weapon of the enemy to steal your joy and to make your life feel worthless. Where Jesus is saying, hey, hey, hey. Before, before it's about anything that you do, your worth comes in whose you are not who you are. The second part there is asking, uh, it's, it's firstly, does my life matter? The second part is, why am I here? So the second part of that verse in verse 16 talks about, um, so we're created in him and created for him. So what that tells me is that if I'm created for Jesus, then the primary purpose of my life is to be in relationship with Jesus. I don't know if you've experienced this. Maybe you can think back to the time before you were saved, but you can do so much in life. You can be so successful when it comes to the world standards and when it comes to doing life and living it up and have 100,000 followers on Instagram. And, and if you don't know Jesus, there's always this 
don't know what it is. It's like an, it's like an emptiness. It's a, it's a longing. And there's so many people that, that come to church, and there's many businessmen and businesswomen and successful people that come to church, and when they meet Jesus, they almost just have this light bulb moment. It's like, oh, this is, this is what it is. It's like you've got a cross-shaped void in your heart, and we try to fill it with anything. The world is void of hope, and you'll look for hope anywhere. If you think it's going to solve your problem, you'll go to relationships, you'll go to money, you'll go to jobs, you'll go to alcohol, you'll go to drugs. You'll try anything to fill that, that cross-shaped void. I know Jason speaks about the cross-shaped void a lot. You'll go anywhere to try to fill that gap. But our primary purpose in life is firstly to be in relationship with Jesus. When you're in relationship with Jesus, your life has purpose and it has meaning. Why? Because each of us have got unique gifting that's been put inside of us, unique talents, things that are just for you, that has been put inside of you to do two things. One, to glorify God, and secondly, to extend His kingdom. You might be saying, well, Phil, like, I don't know. If I look at my life, I'm not very good at the, if you're talking about kingdom and glorifying God, what is it, preaching and, and singing worship? I don't, I'm not a big public speaking guy. I don't really have a great voice, or I've got a terrible voice. I still want to sing. You, by all means, you do you. You, you, sing, you sing with that voice. You might say, well, I don't know what it is. Let me tell you something, that there are things unique to you that can make you significant, that can make you special in the place that God has put you if you just trust Him with what's put inside of you. There is, some people just take so long to kind of grasp this, this idea that there is gifting inside of us, that there are talents inside of us. You are the perfect person for your family to extend the kingdom of God. You are the perfect person for your classroom, for your university, for your place of work. God couldn't have thought of somebody better, that personality, that weird sense of humor, that, that, that way that you do that thing or that laugh that you think is super annoying. If God could have thought of somebody better, he would have put somebody better there. But he thought, no, you, no, Jared, Casey, you'd be the perfect, I'm going to put you there because I know you can do something, but we'll never be able to do it if we don't answer the call and say, God, I'm going to be available. Whatever the question is, the answer is yes. I don't even know what it is, but I'm going to trust you with what I've got. I'm going to trust you with the personality I have, with the gifting I have, because that is the call of God in your life. We're created in Him, and we're created for Him. Our worth is from God because we are His creation. He designed us, He fashioned us, and our purpose is what? To be in relationship with Him and to trust the gifting that He's put inside of us. You all have a gift. You might be feeling pretty low about yourself right now, but there is something inside of you that I don't got. I'm gonna try to do what God has, has told you to do, and I'm just not gonna get it right. But as soon as you start doing the thing that God has put inside of you, there's gonna be blessing on it. God can't bless a shadow. So I can try to be you, and I can stand in your shadow, it's just not going to work. But you've got something inside of you that if we say, God, whatever it is, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be faithful. Whenever you ask me the question, I'm going to go forward, I'm going to do it. You're going to see great movement in your life. And the last part, and we're going to move on soon, I'm taking loads of time. The last part there was in verse 17, and it talks about Jesus being the sustainer of creation. See, Jesus is not an absentee creator. Sometimes we can think Jesus created everything, dropped the bomb, and ducked, because it feels like that sometimes. It's like, whoa, things are chaotic, things are crazy. Jesus is in the flow of life with you. I think one of the greatest lies from the enemy is that you are alone. Think about that. When have you been the lowest in your life? It's when you felt like you were alone. Jesus is with you in the darkest valley. He's with you in the highest highs. That's easy to believe. But when you're in the lowest valley, it says he sustains creation. You breathe because he allows it to be so. The sun rises in the morning and sets in the evening because Jesus allows it to be so. He has created and he continues to sustain. And one day he's going to come back for his church and for his people and all of that will change. But right now, none of us are alone in life. 
None of us are doing this thing by ourselves. The Jesus who created the earth, the Alpha and the Omega, is with you in 2021. He's with you today. Is that okay? My second point is this. Jesus is the head. In verses 19 and 20, it talks about Jesus being the head of the church. And uh, I love that thought because we are the church, the believers. It's not limited to, uh, sometimes we can think about the church and we think about the building, but, but the church is not the building. The church is the people. The church is the believers. The church is alive. The church is well. And Jesus is described as the head of the church. He's called the head of the church because Jesus was the first person to conquer death. He was the first person out of the grave. He was the one who paved the way so that we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is, that he is the Savior, that He is the Lord of our lives, that He raised from the dead. We can, too, conquer death and have eternal life with Him. He is the head of the church. He gives us guidance. He gives us wisdom. He leads us in the direction that we need to go. But what's important to understand about Jesus being the head is that we have been tasked with being the body. And the body is an important function. The body is an important role. I think we could all just believe right now if Jesus wanted to fix and solve everything, I'm sure he would. But he is so gracious that he chooses to include us in his plan for redemption and restoration of the whole planet, of the whole world. It says in scripture that Jesus doesn't want anybody to perish but all to come unto repentance. You're saying, fool, you've never met my neighbor. I don't know if Jesus wants that guy to come unto repentance. You know what I'm saying? 3 a.m. every night, Saturday nights, that guy's jamming music, anthems, trefers, Kurt Darren, all of them. <laughs> we want to get ready for church. The music's going. I don't know if Jesus, even him, even her. Jesus wants all to come unto repentance. We are the body. We are the hands and feet of God. Now is not the season, View Church Milneton, to be a passive body. Now is the season to be an active body. Now is the season to take the life-changing message, the gospel that's changed your life into the deep, dark places of Milneton, into the deep, dark places of Cape Town, of South Africa, because the message is too good to keep within the four walls of this church. The message that changed our lives and changed our hearts sometimes, and I fall into this trap and our church falls into this trap, that we can sometimes get into our holy huddles and we're like, we love Jesus. He's so good. He's so good. Can we go? We don't know you. So we say, you say. <laughs> and we do church and it's awesome. That's a passive body. God is calling for an active body. The commission, the great commission, we're called to go out to the world and to make disciples. And I'm not saying that this is just for the people that think they can preach or this is for anybody using the gifts that we spoke about to go out and to make a difference, to reach people with the news of Jesus Christ. The message that changed your life can change somebody else's life. In your environment, you don't have to go far. I mean, we, we went to Zambia for a missions trip, but sometimes you fly over the missions field to get to the missions field. We've got a missions field in our community. We've got a missions field, your university. Some people want to look so far, but God has put you somewhere. For somebody here tonight, your family is your ministry. Maybe your mom or your dad or your siblings are not close to God. I know that's my point of call at the moment. I find it easy to minister to people that I don't know. It's ministering to my family that's tough. That's difficult because <laughs> there's history and there's awkwardness. And there's, oh, you're perfect now. I'm like, no, I'm not perfect now. <laughs> no, I don't believe that. Far from perfect but something has changed my life. I'm getting closer to Jesus every day. I want the same for you. We are an active body, a body that moves. 
Romans 10 verse 14 to 15 is, is really the great encouragement for this. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. No one's gonna know unless we tell them. No one's gonna know unless we go out and we take this message and we share it with people and we invite people to church. You guys have got a vibrant 6 p.m. service that's only, that's still a baby. I mean, this is your fifth service. If we wanna see a move of God in a nation, it happens and it starts in gatherings like this. People coming, being filled with the Holy Spirit, being equipped, being called, being anointed to go out and to change a nation. It doesn't just start. We pray for revival, but we don't wanna do the right things the right way consistently. We just want the big move. The big move of God is prepared it, it's gotten ready, it's gotten warm, it starts in gatherings like this. The Spirit of God was so, I want to say tight. It was, it was powerful tonight. You guys have got such an amazing church. I just felt the presence of God in this place. I see, I, see if, I see one or two empty chairs here. I think we can think of one or two people who could fill those chairs. And when we're back to 50% and there's 120, 150 people, I, I think we can still think of some people who can fill those chairs. I think if we had 500 people in here, I think we could still think of some people who could fill those chairs. Maybe there's a second evening service that needs to happen so that we can keep filling chairs because we can think of people that needs a seat in the house of God who needs to experience his presence in worship, who needs to hear life-giving preaching and needs to be reminded of who Jesus is in their life. He is the head of the church. He will guide them. He will lead them. He will prepare something inside of them so that they too can share that message with other people. I want you to think of the, the worst person in your life right now. I'm allowed to say that. Think of the worst. Think, think of the person that Think of the person that, that you just like, if, if anyone isn't going to meet Jesus, it's this person. There's just no chance. I mean, God bless him, but no, there's just no chance. Paul, the guy who wrote this, he killed people. Paul persecuted the church. He hated Christians, but he had a moment with Jesus and everything changed. Now Paul wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament, planted more churches than anybody. But he was a horrible man. I think we disqualify people before Jesus disqualifies them. And, le and let me tell you something, Jesus doesn't disqualify anyone. You give somebody an opportunity. I think a lot of us fear rejection. We fear, we fear oh, he's just going to say no. I'm not even going to ask him. The craziest people will say yes to an invite. They really will. I have, I have been blown away. They're saying, hey, you should just come to our church. Like, just, like I'm scared to um, come to the church. <laughs> you say, what's up? I'm like, you should come to our church. Yeah, cool, cool, I'll come. I'll come. I'm interested. You don't know what happens behind closed doors. You don't know how someone is hurting, looking for hope, looking for something special. God will use you in that moment. I need to finish. My last point is this. Jesus is the bridge. He is the bridge. I love this final part of the, of the passage. Because in case you, if you didn't notice, what we did was we just looked at it, we broke into three pieces. Jesus as creator. Jesus as head of the church. So we're going world we're going church, and now we're going to go individual. Jesus supreme and sufficient over the individual. The passage there said that we had made ourselves enemies of God by our evil thoughts and evil actions. That was me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was me. There was a point in my life, I come from a broken family, firstly. So I had seen hurt and pain and sin and dysfunctionality in its, in, in its purest form, as a young man, seven, eight, nine years old, I saw alcoholism, I saw gambling, I saw how not to do marriage, I saw all of it growing up. 
And then when it came to me starting to make decisions, I made some pretty poor decisions as a young man as well. Just like the scripture said, it said that we make ourselves enemies by our evil thoughts and our evil actions. I, w I was there, man. There is nothing that qualifies me to stand on this awesome stage, in this awesome church, to speak to you about Jesus. But that's a special part about why we do what we do, because the scripture says that Jesus then came down to earth in fullness. God saw it fit to make him fully man, fully God, so that he could come to earth, live a sinless life, but to die a criminal's death, fully man, so that he could be the proper replacement, the proper person to stand in the gap for humanity, but fully God, so that he could be holy enough to atone for the sin past, the sin present, and the sin future. And he died on that cross with your face in mind, with your pain, with your hurt, with your dysfunctionality, with the family that you came from, with everything about you that you think disqualifies you from being in a life-giving relationship with Jesus, he died for that. He became a bridge. You see, there was a gap between humanity and God. Sin created that gap, and we were born sinners. And the thing about sin and inheriting a, a sinful nature, Jesus didn't come to make a bunch of bad people good. He came to make dead people alive again. And what can a dead person do for themselves? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> You're dead. So Jesus came in a moment where we were helpless, in a moment where we were trapped in our sin, and he died on the cross, he defeated death, he rose, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father, and this is what he's doing right now, it's actually interceding on our behalf, speaking to God. Hey, just keep an eye out for that person. They're gonna get it right. They're gonna turn a corner. Look how well they're doing. Look how well they're moving. Look at the people they're speaking to, interceding, praying, believing, trusting for us. And the truth is, like I mentioned, Jesus is one day going to come back. He's going to gather his church. He's going to gather people. And for me, the sobering thought is that I don't want to let shyness, fear, get in the way of, of when, when we're caught up, to see people who weren't, weren't caught up, and for me to say, but hey, I was close to that person. I could have spoken to that person. I could have shared something with that person that could change where they're going to be eternally and where I'm going to be eternally because heaven and hell are real. They're real. We don't want to talk about it. We don't like thinking about it that much, but heaven and hell are real. And we're in a space right now where we want to populate heaven and we want to steal from hell. We want to, we want to take from the kingdom of darkness and we just want to say, hey, you need Jesus. You need the message of the gospel. He's the bridge. He's the one who stood in the gap. There's nothing about my life that qualifies me except for Jesus, and his grace continues to cover me. I made my worst mistakes after accepting Jesus into my heart as a 15-year-old. My worst mistakes. The sin I think back, and I just, re I regret it. I just wish I never did that. I wish I turned away. But I was so lucky to have people like Jason and Sue, so lucky to have pastors and leaders in my life, people that identified something and saw something in me when other people just saw that kid is no good. That's the guy. I said, that's the guy. That's him. Maybe some people are here tonight and you're saying, I feel like that guy that maybe people aren't really backing. People don't really see something in me. You just feel that sense of heaviness, sense of worthlessness. Maybe you've been caught up in the wrong stuff. Maybe you're doing stuff that you know just isn't for you. 
I want to remind you that there is absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. I don't care what you did last night. Scripture doesn't say that there's a sin that can disqualify you from salvation or from the grace of God. There is no sin. There's an unforgivable sin, but the fact that you're here listening to this message means that's not you. (laughs) I think that it's time, even if you're a believer tonight, for us to be reminded of who Jesus is, what he's done. He's the creator. He's the beginning and the end. He is the head of this church. He's given us vision. He's given us guidance. He's given us wisdom, and he's the bridge. And if you've walked across that bridge already, don't let that be the end of the conviction because there's more people who need to walk. There's more people who need to travel across. And maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, Phil, I don't think I've made a choice for Jesus yet. Maybe you've been in and around church and you like the worship and you love the people and that's amazing. Love that. That's awesome. You just keep coming. But maybe you're saying, but if you're, if you're honest, just honest with yourself. I don't, think I've, I don't think I've made that step. I don't think I've called on the name of Jesus and confessed with my mouth and really believed in my heart that he is my Lord and Savior. I want to live my life for him. I want to experience life with him, not in spite of him. I want to give somebody an opportunity tonight. Then we're going to finish. I'm, I'm over, well over. I just want to give somebody an opportunity tonight. So if you guys don't mind, if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes for just a second, then we're going to, then we're going to party. If that's you tonight, and you're saying, Phil, there's a lot of stuff happening in my life, a lot to think about, a lot to process. But right now, I, I can't ignore the fact that I want to choose Jesus. He is the Lord of my life. I want Him to guide me. I want Him to be at the steering wheel. Maybe you're saying, Phil, I've made that decision, but COVID's been hectic. My life has been rough, and I can't honestly say that I'm in a committed relationship with Him right now. For both those groups of people, would you mind just shooting your hand up real quick? No eyes are looking. Yep, see that hand. No eyes are looking. This is a moment just between you and God. Yep, see that hand there. Don't let this moment pass you by. If you need to put your pride down for a second, I'm going to encourage you to do that because this is the biggest decision you'll make in your life. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? You're saying, Phil, I just want to recommit my heart. I just want to invite Jesus back into this space. It's been tough. I've made choices that I don't want to keep making. I want Jesus back in the middle. If there's anybody else, I see those hands. I just want to pray for you guys real quick. Father God, I want to thank you for the steps of faith that have been taken tonight. I want to thank you, Lord, that there is no amount of sin that can separate us from the love of God. There's no amount of pain, no amount of mistakes and regrets and hurts. Life can be so ugly up until this point, but it says that the gift of salvation is a free gift. And we accept it through faith. God, for everybody that has put their hand up tonight, or even if they've just made a decision in their heart to say, Lord, I want to recommit my life. I want to draw closer to you again. I want to make you the anchor. God, I pray you be with them. Don't leave their side from this moment on. Let there be favor. Let there be blessing. God, let there be a zeal for your kingdom. Let there be a zeal for your house, for this church, to build to come alongside other people, to mentor, to grow. God, we thank you that great are the plans you have for us. Many of the plans are in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's plans who will prevail. God, I thank you that tonight your plans are prevailing for many. God, we want to give you all the honor and all the glory tonight. All of God's people said, amen. Amen.